0: Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Help our song to be alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Amen. Amen. Whatever brought you to Holy Communion this morning, we are glad you're here. Some of you are here because your parents made you come. That's a good thing. It's good to build up goodwill with your folks. You might need it later. Some of you are here because you heard we're doing the hallelujah chorus with brass, good for you, sing out. Some of you are here because it is Easter and you are supposed to go to church on Easter and perhaps you feel a little awkward, that's okay, we're glad you're here. If you need help navigating this weird ancient liturgy, someone nearby can help. They can point out which hymnal you need at which point. We try to make room for kids, for visitors, for folks who are just checking out church here at Holy Communion. That's true on Easter. That's true every day of the year. Whatever brought you here today, welcome. We're glad you're here. Happy Easter. The Easter gospel, the good news, begins in the dark. Early on the first day of the week, John tells us, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. while it was still dark. If I'm a bit of a literalist about anything in the Bible, I am about this. I think Easter morning services should begin in the dark. Easter begins in the dark, and we reenacted that darkness. We welcome all these visitors, and then we make them stumble around in the dark at the beginning of the service. I'm sure all of the books about how to grow a church will tell me that I'm wrong to do Easter this way. We are, it must be said, a strange church. If you found the darkness a bit disorienting this morning, good. That's why we start in the darkness. Because we know that the power of Christ's resurrection, the remaking of our world, it happened while it was still dark. We don't get a peek inside the tomb. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened in the time between Jesus' burial and when that stone was rolled away. Some of the deepest blessings of faith are also the deepest mysteries. The good news of Easter comes when all seems dark, when life seems hopeless. The gospel wants us to sense the chaos. Mary, thank God for Mary. Thank God for the women who come to mourn, the women who stay with Jesus. Thank God for the women brave enough to face the truth and to speak the truth until the men listen. Mary comes to the tomb in the darkness, John tells us, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. Darkness has an allegorical weight in the Bible, and especially in John's gospel. Darkness is ominous. It tries to overcome the light, John tells us in the gospel's first chapter. Darkness is dangerous. Darkness holds mystery. Mary goes to the tomb under the cover of darkness. She walks into the danger. None of the gospels tell us about what happened on Holy Saturday, the day after the crucifixion. Luke simply says that Jesus' followers rested because it was the Sabbath. We don't get a window into the tomb, and we don't get to see Jesus' followers grief. But I wonder. I wonder whether Mary Magdalene needed to get away from the guys, away from the crowd. I wonder whether Mary was looking for a place to be by herself, to weep, to grieve. Mary came to the tomb under the cover of darkness, wanting to draw close to Jesus early, before anyone else had gotten up. And there, in the darkness, in her grief, she saw the stone rolled away. She runs for the other disciples. Peter and the beloved disciple come running. They come and see the empty tomb. Then they head home. And Mary, Mary waits. She weeps. And Mary encounters Jesus, And Mary is sent by Jesus to tell the other disciples. She is sent by Jesus to announce the good news because she is willing to stay there in the darkness, to stay and to weep. She is the first to see Jesus. On some level, maybe she should have known. While the disciples and Mary were resting on the Sabbath, Jesus had work to do. Throughout his ministry, Jesus often violated the rules of Shabbat. He got in trouble, but he had people to heal. Parables to tell, a vision of hope, of justice and love, the reign of God to announce. The Sabbath had never kept Jesus down before. Maybe she should have known. We don't know what resurrection looked like, sounded like. We don't get to see what happened in the dark. But somehow, while it was still dark, life returned. Love returned. Hope returned. Jesus is risen. This has been a particularly difficult Holy Week at Holy Communion. Over the course of the past two weeks, two of our members have died. Bruce McAllister on April 7th and Ernie Last just on Monday, Thursday, April 18th. Both of them were good, gentle, loving, and caring men. While they both faced some health challenges, their deaths came as a surprise. They were both too young. This has been a difficult Holy Week. Besides Ernie and Bruce, members of the clergy team and members of the congregation have also recently lost loved ones, mentors, and friends. We are a church in grief. And yet, as the ancient funeral liturgy has it, And yet, even at the grave, we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Those words may seem like a contradiction, especially when we're in times of grief. Those words may seem like a contradiction, but they are not. The mystery of Easter is that hope comes in the darkest hour. New life comes when all seems lost. Love is stronger than death. Even at the grave, our song is Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Those words feel defiant at the grave. They feel defiant this morning. Just this morning, we heard news of hundreds killed at the Easter worship in Sri Lanka, while our sisters, our brothers, our siblings mourn around the globe. Alleluia is a defiant word. Twenty years after Columbine, Alleluia is a defiant word. Faced with death, with grief, with intransigence, with worry, with injustice, we whisper the word until we can muster the energy to shout Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. As I said, we are a strange church. Christianity is a strange faith. We say we follow a God who suffered. We say we walk with a Savior who died. But in the midst of grief, in the midst of loss, in the midst of the worst moments of life, a God who knows suffering, a God who knows rejection, a God who knows grief and loss is exactly the God I want to hear my prayers. We are a strange church. Our wider denomination, the Episcopal Church, is having a bit of a media moment. One of the candidates who's already announced a bid for the presidency next year happens to be Episcopalian. He also happens to be gay and married. Like me, his marriage was blessed in his Episcopal parish. The Episcopal Church has been criticized in recent days. Some commentators have even questioned whether we are Christians. If your yardstick for whether a church counts as Christian involves measuring whether that particular church excludes the right people, well, I'd tell you to get a new yardstick. With Peter this morning, I am convinced God shows no partiality. Easter provides a different measure for faith, a different way to measure. Elaine Pagels, a scholar who wrote about the extra-biblical Gospel of Thomas, she begins her book not with Thomas' words of wisdom, but with a story about visiting an Episcopal church in New York City. Pagels writes, Since I had not been to church in a long time, I was startled by my response to the worship in progress the soaring harmonies of the choir singing with the congregation, and the priest, a woman in bright gold and white vestments, proclaiming the prayers in a clear, resonant voice. As I stood watching, a thought came to me. Here is a family who knows how to face death. Pagels tells us that she had just learned her young son, a toddler, had a fatal disease. He wouldn't live past age six. She did not come to the church looking for faith. But knowing the terrible diagnosis, she needed a community that knew how to face death. I would argue this yardstick as a better measure for a church, especially at Easter. Do we know how to face death? Is this a faith with room? Room for grief? Room for loss? Room for mourning? Room for mystery? I hope the answer here is a steady and growing yes. We are a people who believe that death does not have the final word, hopelessness does not have the final word. We stand together through life's tombs, and we say Alleluia. We say Alleluia defiantly. Because to be an Easter people is to be a people who know grief, who know loss who know what it is to go through the darkest of times. We don't avoid the pain. Loss is a part of the story. It always has been, it always will be. To be Christian is to follow a Savior who has figuratively and literally been through hell. When you face the darkness, when you find yourself struggling for words or for hope, Know that the church can be measured by so much more than exclusion. Jesus teaches a way of love stronger than hate, a way of goodness stronger than evil, a way of life stronger than death. Easter happens in the darkness. Somehow, in some mysterious way, Jesus is risen. We don't know how. But even facing the mystery of the tomb, we proclaim Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Thank God Mary was there to announce it, that she went out there in the darkness to mourn, that she was able to stay with her grief. Mary was the first to hear, and Mary was the first to preach the good news. Despair does not have the final word. Injustice does not have the final word. Hate does not have the final word. Death is overcome. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Happy Easter. Amen.